Holy shit, it's 1989, the first year I remember existing. Dylan Gott, John Hastings, both massive blue chew erections. Both have had a. Ooh, yeah. We both had a cup of semen X because we're talking about. <laughs> you take a pill, John. Oh, no, we should do another live ad for semen X. Here we go. Go ahead, Dylan. John, I was just looking in your uh, fridge there, and that milk you had was pretty curdled. Oh, uh, Dylan, actually, that's not milk. That is a uh, full glass decanter of one load of cum that I. And most of it pre. I just. I was turned on by watching women's golf on the internet and i filled that thing solidly and you want to know how dylan oh how'd you do it actually i'd love to have even more spunk <laughs> uh, i've been taking a product called semenex which was invented by a, mm. an anonymous russian man during the crimea crisis where he felt he needed to <laughs> embarrass the locals more and didn't know the what the word embarrass or locals meant so he headed back to moscow and invented a uh, pill uh, that uh, oh, it swells your balls and turns your uh, shit into fiery hot coals. But the benefit is, you shoot not ropes, but KKK uniforms have come. Wow. Needless to say, I'll be buying some Semenex. Mm. Semenex. Ask your doctor, and if your doctor says don't take it, flip him the fucking bird. <laughs> yeah. Turn on some fucking limp biscuit and just go. This is what you get, and then just. Uh, yell the town Welland and then go all Jay Wells at Second City one time and throw all of the chairs outside. <laughs> He's now in therapy. YOLO. All right. We're talking about Vince McMahon part fucking 11 somehow. This is 1989, baby. We're still at the Trump Taj Mahal. What's the best way to fucking right off into the sunset on the back of what is widely critically known as the best feud ever written in professional wrestling history. You do it in front of a bunch of fucking pillhead ladies and pillhead men at goddamn Trump Plaza, baby. Yeah, baby. WrestleMania 5 is truly the Vince McMahon WrestleMania in that his fingerprints are all over that. Is there an unnecessary rap music segment with Run DMC? Oh, indeed there is. Is there a 30-minute interaction between Morton Downey Jr., a television host that would be off the air within months, and Rowdy Roddy Piper and Bruce Pritchard? Yes, there is, and he yelled at Bruce for going along, even though Bruce wasn't at fault, but he can't yell at Morton because Morton left, and he can't yell at Roddy because Roddy's holding the white, and uh, Vince wants to use it with his nose. <laughs> yeah, this was supposed to be a one-off appearance by Roddy Piper, and it led to him coming back full stop. Much like, I guess, the Ronda Rousey do it flipping uh, Stephanie McMahon and then spending a year in pro wrestling. Yeah, Ronda Rousey's coming to pro wrestling, not liking the fans. And here's what I'm going to say about Ronda Rousey is that... Say it. I've never seen a human being in my life deal with losing worse in ever. Like, she really isn't good at it. She lost... If you, cause She's he, really bad at it. She takes everything personally and that's probably what made her such a good fighter, and that's probably also why she, when she got a bronze in the Olympics, she went, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, I do understand it in that her childhood sounds like a nightmare because she would just wake up and her mom would have her in a triangle and be like, if you get out of the triangle, you can go back to sleep. Like, I, I understand where she's coming <laughs> from. This is a pro wrestling podcast, John. It's not a triangle. It's the Hell's Gate. Pardon me. Thank you, Dylan. Sorry, she has him in a. <laughs> she has him in the Undertaker invented move, the Hell's yeah. Gate. The Hell's Gate. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck you. Um. Also, by the way, <laughs> that's actually a real move, and how slow he applies it is very funny. 
Because you watch an actual submission guy do it, and you're like, oh, that's fast. And you watch Undertaker do it, and you're like, oh, fuck, I think I could do a whole load of laundry. Yeah, for those of you watching The Last Ride, which is a fine documentary series, save for the fact that every t-shirt The Undertaker wears is essentially a front to civil rights. Are you wearing, yeah, that's good. Are you wearing a shirt that's both just the state of Texas and also a Blue Lives Matter shirt? Because it's that weird thing that was co-op. Like, when people were like, can these cops stop shooting black people? And the cops were like, hey... No, they created Blue Lives Matter. Anyway. I'm from Texas. Yeah, I think also some cops died. I don't really remember. Hey, cops die every year, and it's bad when they die, but also stop shooting unarmed black people. <laughs> I love your response to stop shooting unarmed black people is like, hey, I hit my knee once. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, but that's the now. That's pol- I hurt my goddamn toe. You stub, you stub your toe. Tell me how it fucking feels. But that's pol- I'll shoot who I want. Political discussion right now is literally that, where you're True. like, Hey, you just punched my grandma. Oh, yeah? Well, my grandmother died of natural causes. We were not close. And you're like, that's not the same. <laughs> that's not on the same level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, at this point, WWE has generated roughly $125 million. Vince McMahon has personally rebounded from his bankruptcy. Now he's a fucking millionaire. He's a millionaire in the fucking goddamn 1980s what's his next move john his next move is of course to research a perfume uh, there you go oh, yeah, 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 yeah. a wwf perfume because women will love it apparently it smelled like what it smelled like uh being forced to go to the bathroom at gunpoint that's what it <laughs> smelled like that's what he wanted take a shit <laughs> take a fucking shit you bitch yeah i have to pee don't pee this is for shit. Hold the pee. I like it when it's clear water, but with brown <laughs> in it. Clear water. Bro. There you go. <laughs> oh, no. Keep drinking this iced tea till your pee looks like coffee. <laughs> what, what wrestler are you doing an impression of? I don't know. I just did a voice. Okay. <laughs> we'll say it's, we'll say that is Jim Troy. I like it. Yep, that was Jim Troy. He buys uh, t- Titan Towers, spends tens of millions of dollars turning it into a temple, uh, uh, a monument to himself, according to the book Sex, Lies, and Headlocks. Sick. Which I 100% agree with. That's a be- He basically... And who, wh- why is that bad? I mean, it's a it's an office building that he would later within... he It's an office building that 30 years later, he uh, has some men tussle around basically he turns titan towers into his house because i guarantee he doesn't like being in his house he's, no for sure and i'm not allowed to have a- why would he want to drive to work he'll just be at yeah, work of course he has such gauche glass anytime you have glass doors near your office you're a bitch uh he was competing with the talent in the gym and he started working out in the middle of shows uh he hired an assistant to monitor his diet and provide him with adequate protein yeah yeah, yeah. He hired, so like midway through WrestleMania, he was getting a fucking pump in, which is, I think, you can, we can all agree, the most beast mode shit I've ever fucking heard. Oh, yeah. he went- When I hear something I don't like about Vince McMahon, I'll say uh, what it is. I think the idea, like how funny would it be if like, oh, you're still selling, when stand-up comes back, if everyone's like, oh, you're still selling albums. <laughs> I sell perfume. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just... Like, I uh, fermented a bunch of uh, cum, and uh, it's just 
it's really just cum and olive oil. This so. is also the time when he's thinking about buying a WWF casino. Like it's basically Vince McMahon. This is the time he is. He's entered that level of success where you're trying to compete with other crazy successful people. But Vince McMahon's a maniac carnival man, so he's just like. You just buy stuff and put... Like, he doesn't understand business. He understands his business. And in wrestling, the big thing is you just... You put your name on other things and go, that was my idea. So Vince McMahon is like, mm-hmm. um, okay, Calvin Klein sells perfume. He makes a billion dollars. I'll sell perfume. I make a billion dollars. NFL uh, gets to get away with lots of terrible things and basically has just enslaved a portion of uh, the populace. Uh, to ignore all of the moral and criminal things that they do uh, and have influenced the political system to turn against a man who is protesting, which you're more than allowed to do. I'm going to start my football league and then maybe they won't make me pay taxes in Connecticut. And you're like, no, it's not how that works, man. You're like, yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's true. And I think what you hit on there is very important. And we mentioned this in this Vince McMahon saga quite a bit, but. I think this is going to sound nuts, given the fact that he obviously right now is a billionaire. I think Vince McMahon is an unsuccessful man who just won't stop. And I think that his wrestling ideas are bad. His two times, this is people forget this shit. Twice he started to start a movie studio. No, no holds barred being the first time. And then years later, and then he pretty much did the same thing with the XFL. Granted, I do think the XFL would have succeeded. Because it's so easy. Like, think of how many shitty, weird franchises have come back from being TV shows to being movies. And then now they're good. You know what I mean? Like, not shitty, but like, you know what I mean? You just need a brand name. Everyone just wants a brand name. Now it doesn't even matter if the brand name. And the XFL, for whatever you want to say about it, has, that's an image in your mind, like wacky rules, weird shit. And what better way to take a break from the fucking... NFL than have the XFL where they literally could have been like, oh, you scored a touchdown? Well, actually, this game took place on opposite day, so they get your points. And that first, people would have been like, that's the XFL. But uh, he's an unsuccessful guy, and he's always trying new things. He's always pouring money into new things. And he's weirdly, he's like Jeff Bezos, minus 50 IQ points. <laughs> he's just like, let's get into groceries? Vince McMahon would have been like, no, not groceries. We're going to start selling diamond shoelaces. But it's I actually think, I see what you're saying. I don't think it's lack of success. Vince McMahon is incredibly successful. Vince McMahon is not good at managing his personal brand. I can't believe I'm saying this, but he's also not good at understanding no, 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 yeah. what his lane is. Vin, the WWF would have would have been way more successful if he ha- he dumps during the most profitable year he dumps a bunch of money into the XFL. He could have used that money to expand into training programs. He could hire better people, all of this sort of stuff. He doesn't keep when wrestling gets really successful, he tries to bounce off into something else because he feels shame about what he does and he shouldn't feel shame mm-hmm. about it. That's in my feel I feel that is his issue. And 1989 is the real beginning of all of this because you can see he's so successful. He starts physically competing with his own talent by trying to get more muscular than them and trying to get more like hot than that. Like he's taking fucking steroids. What do you do? You're not competing in the ring. Yeah, well, I mean, he's taking steroids because he's a fucking big boy and he wants to be a big boy forever. I mean, that part is kind of ancillary. Like, 
what he does and people think of the steroids thing as a weirding. I honestly think it's like that's his only release and it's the only positive endorphins he probably gets all day because he does he can't fire or someone every day. Yeah, I think that also 1989 is an incredibly important year because this is the Mega Powers was a artistic success. They built that from last year, from the end of WrestleMania 88 all through 88, SummerSlam, blah, 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 into 89. They're still getting the amazing um, sort of boost off of um, Saturday night's main event, all of that sort of stuff. 88, they have the main event, which is one of the most uh, watched wrestling programs ever. All of that sort of stuff. 80 and 9, they're reaping all the benefits of that sort of stuff. Couple of things. One, Macho Man, for all that they say is that's a great feud, essentially he they because of this feud, Macho Man is just a fucking transitional champion. He's literally just uh we're putting the and to the point that Hogan was not supposed to appear on as many house shows as he did, but he kept doing it because the initial ticket buy for them wasn't as good as they were supposed to be, and not Instead of acknowledging, okay, our business is cooling, our audience needs to learn about our new product, and it'll spike back up, because look at how popular the Macho Man is to this day, and all of the information we have about Macho Man is fucking, he's not a good guy, and people are still like, yeah, but he's good at fucking wrestling, as opposed to Hulk Hogan, where we're like, not only is he a bad wrestler, he's also a bad guy, and as wrestling fans, we draw the line somewhere, and you have to be, you either have to be good at life and at wrestling, or bad at life and good at wrestling, so fuck you, Hulk Hogan. I, yeah, I think that the a lot of people think, oh, wow, they had The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin at the same time. That's why the Attitude Era was better than the 80s. And I would pose to you that they did have The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin at the same time in the 80s. It's just Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon had formed a bond where Vince thought that he could only make his company succeed through Hulk Hogan, essentially. Or I, that's not true. What he was looking for in a next star was when he was on top of the mountain, he wasn't forced to kind of like just grab onto anything, which is why Stone Cold Steve Austin happened. Make no mistake, if they're not losing to WCW by that mistake, Stone Cold Steve Austin probably never happens. Never fucking happens. Also, let me fucking throw this at your fucking sexy head. Um, St Steve Austin's a better guy than Hulk Hogan. Steve Austin recognizes that he needed, I need a Joker to my Batman that can get in the ring. That is The Rock. They have fucking great, consistently good matches. I will protect that guy and make sure that he is there to um, to carry the torch when I go. Yeah, and Macho Man totally could have been the champion for a while. I mean, he wasn't as good. Like, I'm not going to say that sit here and say he was as good a box office draw as The Rock or Stone Cold, but he definitely could have been 1B to Hulk Hogan's 1. You know what I mean? He could have been a very, very good substitute. But the, the the real thing that you have to talk about is the fact that, and this is really what I was thinking about No Holds Barred before this, it doesn't really occur to me, is it, make, it totally makes sense to have Hogan takes time off, No Holds Barred, Mega Powers Collide, and then you want Hogan to be your champion because, of course, you want him to be champion while you're pushing this movie. That makes total sense to me. The thing that doesn't make any sense to me is or no, sorry, the not the thing doesn't make any sense to me. The thing that really exposes, I think, how crazy egotistical Hulk Hogan is, is that the way The Rock became a Hollywood star was he did bit roles, and then he basically popped off with Fast and Furious. 
that's how he became a star. And that happened over people forget this. That happened over the course of a decade. He was in like the fucking mummy and he was just had no speaking lines. And then he was in Be Cool. He impressed people in Be Cool. I'm not going to say that they have anywhere near the same amount of talent because obviously The Rock is better than Hulk Hogan. But Hulk Hogan is never a supporting player other than when he's Thunderlips and people loved him as Thunderlips. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, come in as just like a fucking dude. Don't be like, oh, I'll be the star of the movie first. Who also Let's continue? Sorry. Who else helped guide? Like, bear in mind, in 1989, Vince is going to all the meetings in Hollywood with Hulk Hogan. And demanding that he is essentially acting as his agent or manager. The Rock does not listen to Vince McMahon. We will talk about this when we get to 1988 or 1989. Vince McMahon was fucking livid that The Rock portrayed a homosexual... You mean 98 and 99? 98 and 99. When The Rock is in Be Cool, The Rock plays a gay man. And Vince McMahon... Not a fan. Very upset that was going to affect his business. Because essentially Vince McMahon, if I presuppose his idea is if you pretend to be gay you will be gay that is bad no only homophobes like wrestling uh Dwayne only homophobes I think that it's more that you played a gay guy now everyone will see that you're not intimidating how can you beat anyone at all because gay people can't fight I mean yeah okay either way you want to say it he does not like gay people and it's not in a vote against their marriage type way. It's a, they're just not as good as me type way. <laughs> you get Vince McMahon drunk and you pose the idea of a master race. He's going to not going to be like, there is not a master race, but clearly. And then you, <laughs> and then you have to beep the rest of what he yeah, says. What's also funny is you will walk away shaking your head going, it's not racial. I think he just thinks he's better than everyone else. And then you just look over and he's pissed himself and he's making Jerry Briscoe smell it. Smell it, Jerry. (laughs) So this is in WCW to give you a taste of what's happening. Sting versus Flair is happening. Now, Sting versus Flair is YOLO times if you're a big dumb nerd. Who balds and has dandruff. But you know what? Dylan. Not many people. Yeah. I love Sting versus Flair. But not a lot of people liked it. Not as many people liked it as you thought. Now, long suffering. Hang on, I just want to say something. Yeah, long suffering Christopher Hobson makes a stellar point in the research, which is long suffering. Long, yeah, he has to put up with our bullshit. Christopher Hobson, you, nice. Yeah, yeah. Are you not like me that just occasionally just send him very abusive emails? <laughs> uh, you're shorter than me. Subject line. Body of email? Fuck off. I always start and end them with, I am sober and I have taken a breathalyzer, which the video is attached, so you know this is how I genuinely feel. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Give me 50 bucks, (laughs) subject line. Body of email? Right now, pussy. Pussy has two dollar signs in it. Yeah, it's, and the P is smelled with spelled with emojis because I'm not a fucking loser. Um, Hobson Bobson makes a great point, which is WCW refused or was unable to appeal to kids in terms of their presentation, except for Sting and Flair, and that that looked like the wrestling that at this point most of the the audience would be familiar with. It's like this flashy, showy sort of superheroes fighting, and then the rest of the NWA slash WCW card is like. Oh, God, why are they all smoking? Yeah, because I got to shit before I get in the ring. And there's no coffee backstage. Where, 
What do you, what, you expect me to do? Put a pencil up there? Well, Teddy Long told me I can't use his pencils to get his shits out of my ass now because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I can't go in there with a fucking shit in my ass. It'll stick in the ring. Which character is that then? Which wrestler is that? Uh, <laughs> it's Baby Doll. I envisioned it being doll. Barry Windham. That's Baby Doll. That's who that was. <laughs> That's Baby Doll? <laughs> I'm the perfect 10 baby doll. Now I got a bunch of earwax in my cunt. I don't know how that happened. I went to the doctor and he said it wasn't earwax, so I called him a fucking pussy. Then I shoved his head in there. Now he's got a bunch of face rash. Anyway, you gonna fucking fuck me in the ass of the car or do I have to be fucking ask you like a fucking stupid cunt bitch? Yeah, baby doll here. Let me tell you something about Jim Cornette. I fucked him so hard he regrew his fucking virginity. That's what I fucking bring to the table. <laughs> <laughs> he think the Steiner brothers are tough, but I poisoned one of them. He's dead. They replaced him with some other guy named Rick. Anyway... I'm the perfect 10, baby doll. Baby doll here. When you go down on me, I will fart in your face. <laughs> That's how you fucking own a man. I call it seasoning the fish, bitch. <laughs> you want a bit of basil? <laughs> uh, so baby doll was there. And to be honest, I know a lot of this is, I think this I think the view of this is dying off. Either that or I talk to like six people about wrestling now. So I only talk to people who really agree with me. But the entire NWA card, I'm not saying steroids is the way to go. But definitely I think now the way wrestlers look now is a lot better, at least in the WWF. Um, because if they're on steroids, they're a designer. And uh, the NWA card, entire card, basically looked like if you put underwear on a bag of, like, curdled milk. Yeah, like, yeah. that's the entire card. They're, we're in a nice middle ground between steroids. What I had to say between Scott Steiner and uh, the Mulkey Brothers, in that the Mulkey Brothers literally look like they woke up after an evening of not sleeping any, uh, near anywhere which you would close to call a bed, and then their dinner... Their dinner was breakfast and dinner was a lot of Big Macs. And then they got to the ring and they were like, oh, for oh, God, I'm tired. And then Scott, St <laughs> Scott Steiner literally can't move for steroids. And we're now in a nice place where it's like a lot of them are actually vegan because that's an, the protein you get from being vegan that's synthetic is easier to burn off and leaves you with stronger, leaner muscle. They really watch what they eat. They're, uh, they can work a more exaggerated, ridiculous style because their bodies aren't like soft and super susceptible to tears because the muscle stretching became part of working out now you can summarize it that way where it's like stretch after do a lot of like aerobic training stuff that vince mcmahon doesn't do or vince mcmahon still 1970s like uh where's your piece of wood you put in your mouth while you fucking do bench uh what exercises you do well i do bench and then i do incline bench and then it's time for decline bench and then I then I fake like I'm gonna do flies, laugh out loud, and then I fucking do bench again. Yeah. Again, Vince McMahon or Triple H. Like, let's never forget if the when the wellness policy is actually enforced, that's the day Triple H is dead. The day the wellness policy is actually enforced is the day that Triple H dies, because there is absolutely no <laughs> fucking way that guy isn't on mad HGH. Like, listen, Jim Cornette's under heat once again because he attacked a woman for getting pregnant. What's going on with that guy? Uh, and I mean, that makes sense. He's he is just. I mean, Jim Cornette. We just we talk about it, but he's just he just got blind spots. He loves the NWA no matter what. He should have. This is what would have happened if like 
This is what happens when someone who's really good just doesn't quit. And he has to, he does two podcasts a week. So, of course, he's like, oh, fuck, I'll just fucking hate Becky Lynch. That'll get a bunch of people to pay attention. I don't even, I think you're overthinking it. I think he's literally just like, because he then retracted it a little bit and was basically just like, I don't know. Like, he kind of, he's like, I don't know. I just say stuff. Like, he's sort of exactly what you're saying. He's like, I'm bad bad at (laughs) So, let's talk about this. Let's talk about, uh, we're, we're a bit in here. So let's talk around because I know you want to talk about No Holds Barred a ton. So what we're going to do is uh, we're not going to go chronologically here. but We're going to talk about the February 3rd edition of the main event. Randy Savage walks out during a tag team match with uh, Hogan against the Twin Towers, of course. During the match, Miss Elizabeth had been knocked unconscious. Hogan took Elizabeth backstage to get medical attention. I will say this. They did this feud extremely well because you could watch this feud and you could be like, why the fuck is he just... Because there is where like Hogan has Elizabeth on his arm and he's like holding her ass. Which, first of all, you're trimming a man's hedges to like hold his wife like that. And then like taking her, her backstage by holding her in the arms like that is like, the fuck are you doing? Like, just get her husband and be like, hey, I'm holding your wife's head up. So you take her backstage. I'll just get my ass kicked by these two fucking submarine sandwiches. But like... Totally, you can be on Savage's side here. It's just Savage takes it too far. And that is, that's what... Because you start off being like everyone has a side here and then one dude takes it too far. That's what makes a great heel. Given what we've learned in recent years, I don't think Savage took it too far. I think Savage realized what Hogan's game was and was like, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Like, it's, it's absolutely brilliant storytelling. If Hogan wasn't as over as he was at this time, Hogan would have become the heel a little bit. And what's also crazy is there was huge discussion of Hogan not winning the belt, of that Savage uh, winning the belt uh, at WrestleMania five, and that they would do he would hold it for two years, and he would finally be valuing supposed serious consideration about this because Hogan was going into Hollywood, no holds barred, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, they went the other way of having the champion hold the belt, but it's just an interesting sort of thing that they almost went actually no. Let's keep the belt on Randy. That frees up Hogan. And I almost feel like if if Flair had come at rest, at SummerSlam, they could have done that. And that would have been a great way of not phasing Hogan out, but then Hogan could have done a resurge at WrestleMania 6 as opposed to what they had to do. Make the Ultimate Warrior, blah, blah, blah. That's a lot of fantasy booking. It's just a really interesting ego time. And this is really the beginning of Vince McMahon doing steroids. He needs to always do steroids to look really good. This is the beginning of Vince McMahon truly believing Hulk Hogan is the key to all of his success. And also this is really branching out into other enterprises and believing that he was as good at everything else as he is at wrestling. Go ahead, Dylan. So this is another interesting thing I really didn't know is, of course, WrestleMania April 2nd, WrestleMania 5 takes place Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. Just under 19,000 people attend. I did not know that Ted Turner, so his retort was to uh, to basically they're always running against each other, the NWA and WWF, of course. So he uh, ran Wrestle War against WrestleMania 5. That meant Vince had to head that off by agreeing to a lower cut of the pay-per-view sales to secure cable distribution. So he's kind of hitting him where he lives here in a really, really smart way because Ted Turner probably looked that sheet of paper, posed that idea for one exact one second, <laughs> and just had a smarter idea than anyone in wrestling has ever because had. Because <laughs> also you have to remember the reason why Ted Turner can do that is who at this time controlled most required 
is Ted Turner. Ted Turner could literally go, hey, Vince, agree to this, or guess what happens? Your show just won't be on in the southern United States, which is really fucking populist. You fuck. Yeah, no, no, this is... This is, and by the way, that this moment is why Vince Ted TCW when it was Eric Bischoff. Ted Turner was in the middle of being the most successful he ever was, and he was an incredibly. I guarantee he occasionally forgot what Vince's name was and be like, I don't know that guy, uh, Vin, um, Victor Victor Conman. Is that it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm too busy being really good at sailing for no reason, and then banging Jane Fonda. So. Ultimate Warrior, of course, is being groomed. The only time that's used as a positive thing in wrestling. <laughs> groomed. To um, to be the next Hulk Hogan. And goddammit, if Hulk Hogan... Oh, sorry, goddammit if the Ultimate Warrior doesn't look fucking sick here. He beats Rick Rude. Rick Rude, widely known. Uh, this is basically what gets Rick Rude a lot Correct. of his does, positive... He does not beat Rick Rude at WrestleMania. Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 5. And then the Ultimate Warrior legit injures injures Bobby Heenan because he doesn't know how to do a gorilla press. And, yeah, good times. Fucks up his neck, and Heenan obviously is a no-touch for the rest of his... Is he a no-touch from here on? Uh, Or do we know this? I think the WWF probably doesn't have a no-touch where it's like, could you not... I have a debilitating injury, and then Vince McMahon goes, of course, leaves the room, walks up to the big boss man and goes, there's going to be no cameras, but next time you see Bobby... I want you to give him the fucking uh, big boss man slam. What? It's like no one will be able to see it. It's, like, yeah, 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 it's, a fu- <laughs> it's a it's a rib. Here's a rib. Stab him. Stab him in the spine. But fucking Warrior looks litty here. And this is one of the matches where everyone points to. This isn't one of their better matches, but they have a lot of great matches around this time. And this is where everyone points to the fact where Rick Rude could fucking work. And this is really Rick Rude, some of his finest work, because it may not look like much, but goddammit, if you can get an okay match with the Ultimate Warrior, you are a fucking genius. Yeah, it's also, it's the perfect combination of Ric Flair gets the shit kicked out of him, cheats to win, and he leave being like, fuck, I love the Ultimate Warrior, but fuck, what a dastardly naughty boy Ric Flair Rude is. Oh, he's so- <laughs> Ric Flair's probably into some kink shit yeah, or that's not okay or right he's now. only that's what missionary. I like to look at you. Hard missionary. That type of missionary that you see on porn sometimes, where the man is like sat up in a seated position, and you can see the breasts really jiggle. That they call that the the ravishing <laughs> missionary position where I come from. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna take a break right now. We're gonna talk about no holds barred, and then a bunch of other bullshit. Fat break, so Dylan and I can go bo- watch individual uh, missionary videos in our own apartments. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to watch a how-to on how to missionary. (laughs) I'm always brushing up. After the break. I've been, uh, I've been, I've been putting a cup on my skin mound where my dick is. So it actually makes my cock bigger. That's the start of this ad. Please go to (laughs) patreon.com backslash wrestler review and donate, (laughs) and donate to us. Five dollars gets you exclusive access to our patreon feed and episodes ahead of time for 25 bucks you can select a wrestler to review one guy did buck zoom off who's a pedophile rapist and we still reviewed him god damn it we have no allegiances go to patreon to hear the buck zoom off episode also known as the time where two friends are pushed to the fucking edge <laughs> yo 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 patreon.com backslash wrestler review or rate us on itunes subscribe 
throw yourself out a fucking window. Who gets a shit? Welcome back. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on the Mega Powder Powers exploding, Dylan? My other thoughts on the Mega Powers exploding? Uh, there was a thought, like you said, that they were going to go with Savage. It's interesting because they all fi- fall ass backwards into this because DiBiase was supposed to be the champion, and this was supposed to be DiBiase versus Hulk Hogan, but things just didn't pan out that way. And honestly, didn't pan out probably for the better because Macho Man is one of the five people when you say professional wrestling that people talk about. Unfortunately, from this period, it's honestly Triple H is like number six, but it's like in no particular order, of course, Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, Stone Cold, The Rock. Uh, I would add CM Punk onto the list for no other reason than because of UFC, he's become very much a punchline of like, and then there was that wrestler, CM Punk, who got fucking pwned on pay-per-view, bud. Ooh, he got fucking turded. We talked about No Holds Barred last week, but goddammit, John wants to talk about it again. So June 2nd, No Holds Barred came out. Critics loved it. It won an Oscar. Psych. Oh, gotcha. Uh, no Holds Barred, which was made, depending on who you ask, between for four to eight million bucks, um, and or possibly a $20 million budget. Who the fuck knows? Hogan says eight million. Facts say 20. $16 million box office. You would think they only lost four million, but there's a lot of other ancillary costs. Yeah, you have to remember that uh, budget, when reported... Uh, it, whatever that is, you then add in the ha- uh, like another half to promotion is always the mm-hmm. uh, industry standard. So if the budget, let's say, is one million, you add another five hundred, and then yeah, there's a bunch of other things. So basically, it always is about double. So let's say it was eight million all the way to sixteen million, it broke even. Other people report it was twenty million, it did not. Anyway. Um, the movie has gone on to be this weird cult classic among wrestling fans. It's fucking weird. Please go watch it. It's absolutely phenomenal. Stan Hansen's in it. It was number two in the American box office after Ghostbusters 2 and launched the brief wrestling career of Tony Tiny Lister, who came in. Um, Vince McMahon has claimed to promote or to help um, uh, uh, undo some of the costs of the movie not doing as well as they expected. And he had a brief run mm-hmm. as a wrestler, basically being teamed with DiBiase uh, and a few other Macho Man. Macho Man um, as um, basically a heavy. And they portrayed it as the actor who portrayed Zeus went crazy and thinks he's Zeus. And now he is attacking Hulk Hogan. He is real bad at wrestling, but fuck me, did he present real good? Like, I remember seeing this as a kid. And being like, that guy's fucking terrifying. Then he got in the ring and I was like, oh, he doesn't seem that scary, actually. Yeah, because they he looked good in pictures, but they also had him in really big lifts. So even though he's just learning how to wrestle, that's awful. And then having him in lifts as well, because Hogan is so fucking big. That's the other problem with that we should have mentioned about WrestleMania 5 is like they had all these guys. The reason they had the Monster Factory for Hulk Hogan is because Hulk Hogan is fucking massive. And the biggest feuds of his career are against people who are massive like him or Paul Orndorff and Macho Man. That's it. Like, Macho Man's like basically perceived crazy enough that he could get away with um, being a tiny little boy. Obviously, this is relative because he's not a tiny little boy. He was a big boy. Um, but that's why Flair, like, if, when they just acted like everyone knew who Flair was, like, you need to establish 
a new character, even if most people know who he is, just give him a bunch of wins and then have him go strong. And then maybe people will think, oh, this guy could beat up Hulk Hogan rather than, of course... Hogan just fucking whooping dead ass immediately. Yeah, it's it's a it's basically how you look at how how they build Austin as the best way to build a new guy, and that he comes in some wins some losses, and then he goes on a fucking hot boy streak, and he's so hot. And also, you work his match, all that sort of stuff. Hogan never did that. Blah 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 blah. But this takes a lot of the steam off of, and is probably the reason why they don't put the title on. Macho Man, or keep the title on Macho Man after WrestleMania 5 because they, A, need to recoup the money back, as you said, and B, these are acting as the return matches for the Mega Powers colliding, which, talk about a feud that is just done immediately after that. Like, Macho Man stays a heel, of course. He becomes the Macho King. There's some fun stuff where he adopts Sherry as his manager, and this really is a three-year-long saga ending, of course, with Macho Man reuniting with uh, Lizzie Liz at uh, Mania in a couple years. But he's got to do all the fucking lifting while Tiny Lister just explains that he is not gay for wrestling because wrestling is gay. And he is also not a blood, he's a crip. Exactly. And it's a weird thing where Hogan does really good work with Lister because... He clearly wants to be in, he obviously wants to be an actor, so he'll sell like fuck for this guy, and he knows this guy isn't going to stick with wrestling at all, so he can really, really ham it up and let this guy have a lot, which is, of course, not how it's supposed to go. It also, <laughs> but, what I really enjoy is it also shows Hogan's lack of understanding of Hollywood. He's like, this guy's an actor, I'll be nice to this guy, I'll get other acting roles. And it's like, that. Ah, that's not how wrestling works, or how Hollywood works, man, like, you don't just have to be nice to one actor. Like you need to impress casting directors and other people. You know what, brother? That's not true. Uh, the one thing I just want to point out is, of course, the uh, uh, No Holds Barred was a uh, ghost written by Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. Uh, the screenwriter who had written for Clint Eastwood and went on to uh, write one of the weirder Clint Eastwood McRidge, which is about how um, um, essentially Clint Eastwood going to Guam and killing a bunch of people, and then he's a hero. It's very weird. Cool. So it's basically like Rambo Last Blood. Or no, was that? John Rambo. The one where he goes to the island and <laughs> he just shoots everyone on the island. It's oh, sick. That one's, I think, that, that one's actually just called uh, Rambo. Okay, cool. Because what's weird is there's First Blood, which is the first Rambo. Then there's First Blood 2 Rambo. Mm -hmm. And then there's Rambo 3. So they never had made... A Rambo movie. Then they made Rambo, which is Rambo 4. And now they've made Rambo 5, Last Blood. Boy, Sylvester Stallone is tired. And he ripped out a guy's heart in Last Blood. It was fucking the most lit. <laughs> was it really good? No, it was pretty bad up until he ripped out the guy's <laughs> fucking heart. And then it became a 17-star movie. <laughs> I just don't understand why you make a movie like that and then you don't have like Slayer to start playing at that part. Because it's like really heroic movie music playing, and it's like, no, that's when you start playing fucking Angel of Death. <laughs> and then and then in the theater, you pay two people to start fighting in front of the screen and be like, this is the greatest movie-going experience I've ever had. The other thing that's... Are you going to... You want to talk about Dusty Rhodes coming in? Because this I find fuck... No, I was going to talk about how when uh, Brutus Beefcake wrestled uh, Lit Tiny Lister 
uh, Brutus Beefcake had to say the phrase free James Brown so Tiny Lister wouldn't would stop actually punching him in the face because obviously when you're not good at wrestling, they're just like, just fucking punch me in the face because that'll look better than whatever you think being a fake wrestler is. Should say this, 2014, Kurt Fuller, the actor who played the uh, the tyrant, the business tyrant, who is not Ted Turner in the movie No Holds Barred, um, he answered some questions for the onion. No, for the AV Club. Apologies. Um, <laughs> and basically, he said it was an early job. I still knew nothing about acting. I was a terrible actor, and that's why I got the job. I would allow myself to be so bad that I lowered and got down to WWF standards. And then he asked the director if he was being too big. And the director said, you're right next to a guy who's six foot eight and in spandex. There's no way you can be too big. I'm going to say this. Kurt Fuller is not a bad actor in that movie. He is the most genuine, normal. Like, he's the only character in it that I'm like, all right, I, I can at least see why you'd behave that way. And it's fucking crazy. There's actors in that movie that are people who worked again. And then just wrestlers. That's why No Holds Barred is fascinating. And Vince always tries to get one back. And if you don't think he doesn't try to get one back, fuck, I'm so excited to talk about WWE Studios in a while. And good lord, because you know that Vince McMahon tried again to have perfume in nine years. Of course. The Attitude Era when he, is, when he had is the... the when he had the Eau de Toilette, and I remember watching that as a kid thinking, this is fake, right? Like, I thought it was a joke. I mean, yeah, the the attitude era is the craziest part because it's like in because we're building towards the steroid scandal. You have to remember, while all of this is happening, there's a man named Dr. Zahorian, which already you're like, that guy sounds evil. He is uh, in the backstage area. And he is we're building towards a federal trial for various drug charges, ladies and gentlemen. And. That happens, and then the 90s happen, and then the Attitude Era happens, and Vince McMahon is just sort of like, everything I couldn't do in the late 80s, we do now. Uh, no, but the, some of those are bad ideas. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, I am going to fuck my daughter. I'm going to at least tell people I fucked my daughter. The Vince McMahon story. So this is, we should say this is that uh, the, this is in January of 1989, because this is important. I know it is just a small point, but it is important. January of 1989, Hogan dumps out Savage while he's fighting Bad News Brown. And that's another thing where Hogan's kind of being the heel there, but and that is in the Royal Rumble. And that I don't know if it's the first appearance, of course, but it is just a major, major plot point in a storyline that becomes the main event of WrestleMania. So that is just one of the increasingly many ways you can use the Royal Rumble as a fucking a big pot to make yourself a rivalry stew. Ooh, the other thing that I like to talk about 1989 before we get into other notes is Dusty Rhodes leaves the NWA and joins the W fucking WF. Dusty Rhodes, who was the booker, the main architect, the inventor of Starcade, a man who continues to be the thorn in Vince's side because his son has basically started WCW 2.0 that is critically kicking the shit out of them and very quickly will soon be artistically kicking the shit out of them because their ratings are starting to be higher than Raw or SmackDown. They're not competing on the same night, but they're competing against NXT, and boy howdy, is that not good for Vince McMahon. Dusty Rhodes joins the company. Uh, 
And this is clearly Dusty is burnt out, wants to just keep earning money as a wrestler. And it's a point of pride for Vince that he gets the booker of the NWA, the driving force of all the success the NWA has in the 80s. For all that we want to say of territories closing and stuff like that, Jim Crockett becomes a national corporation. It burns out quickly, but they can afford airplanes for a brief time. That doesn't that doesn't come from lack of success. It's a very important thing. This is a big time for wrestling on both sides of the wrestling war line. And Vince, out of nowhere, essentially gets the main field general of his biggest competitor to come in, put on polka dots, and then basically do his northern shtick. I've never understood why people make fun of the polka dots. I could give a fuck. That's not nearly the weirdest thing that was on WWF television. It was just clearly Vince McMahon being like, this guy talks like a 70s black guy, polka dots or 70s black people clothing. There we go. And also the fact that every other character, like, he turned Ted DiBiase from, I'm a fucking tough guy, I've got one glove on, to the million dollar man. Like, these are, you have to turn, this is 1990s, the fact that he didn't make him roly-poly Dusty Rhodes is fascinating to me. Like, every other fat guy was implied they were strong except for Dusty Rhodes. There's no real, like, there's no real, this is the thing about the NWA, there's no real, like... They never talked about how Dusty's weight helped him win a match. He never used a splash. Do you know what I mean? Like there was never like any logical way his helped his his fat helped him win matches. Whereas you look at the one man gang and you look at Big Boss Man, they're fucking doing avalanches. They're doing splashes. It makes sense. There's one. There's one time and I believe ECW where Joey Styles explains that's why he uses the bionic elbow is he's so big that when he hits it with you, it's harder than other people hitting you with an elbow. Basically being like, you ever been, That's good. You ever been hit by a fat guy's elbow? It's heavier than most elbows. <laughs> and why was he kicked out of the NWA, John? Why was Dusty Rhodes fired from the NWA? He was fired a lot. I think Road Warrior spiked him in the eye. <laughs> yes. This is why... This is They told him no blood on TV, and he said, baby, I'm Dusty Rhodes. And then the Road Warriors... Stabbed him in the fucking eye with one of their, which is intense, even for like a new Jack angle. Yeah, but again, welcome to Dusty Roads, baby. Like he just like like it's again, it's he's super burnt out and he's just fucking done, and he clearly wanted to quit. And he's like, how do I quit and still save face within this company? Oh, I know, I'll make the cable company do it by openly disregarding their wishes. And the other thing is. If you watch these, I mean, this is at least like, I was a huge Big Boss Man fan, even as a fucking heel as a kid. And I fucking hated Dusty Rhodes because he came in and kicked the shit out of the Boss Man. And if you think about this, the Big Boss Man's only really lost to Hulk Hogan. So it's like, fucking brilliant point, actually. You're putting this dude at where he's, he immediately puts him at a, like a legacy. He puts him in a legacy role immediately. Obviously, Dusty gets over immediately because he's amazing. And then uh, Savage beats him. But that's what's going to happen when a guy... People were talking about Dusty Rhodes being past his prime in the fucking 80s. And now it's like the late 80s. Yeah, you're making a lot of gr- you're making a lot of very interesting points I never even thought about. Because I always thought of Dusty as it was like unprotected. Everyone's acting like you get 1978 Dusty Rhodes. This is not 1978 Dusty Rhodes. This is like... Hot dogs for breakfast, Dusty Rhodes. It's also not a shitload of people watching the WDF will know who fucking Dusty Rhodes is. Like, a lot of them would be like... Uh, that That's the thing about wrestling fans that no one understands, is that, like... All right, here's my... This is the greatest, I think, point I can make about wrestling nerds. Go on. And, like, how 
everyone overestimates wrestling nerds. Obviously, the summer of punk. Everyone knows the summer of punk and how it reinvigorated wrestling. And then when he comes out uh, again, they rush his return back. But when he comes out again, when you first hear Cult of Personality as his theme song, Cult of Personality was his theme song when he did that angle in Ring of Honor. If there were as many internet nerd fans as everyone thinks there were, when you first heard Cult of Personality and he walked out, it would have got a huge pop. But he didn't. You don't hear that pop because no one fucking knows. There's only so much wrestling people can watch. You can't expect that these people that everyone's gonna watch like 30 hours of fucking wrestling. And that's the same reason that when Dusty Rhodes came in, a five year five year old fucking four year old Dylan Gott's not gonna be like, oh Dusty Rhodes, I really appreciated his feud with Pac Song in the 70s. Sometimes people are watching things for the first time and need to play to those people. And I think wrestling now doesn't do that anymore because of honestly weirdly enough shit like this podcast wrestling culture where you're supposed to know everything before you watch it yeah no i completely agree with everything that you're saying and it's also one of those things where the wwf dusty Rhodes run gets a lot of shit it the pack he they packaged him in a way that you he was upper middle middle card something they don't yeah like where you're just like oh i want to watch this guy feud with people and also a big thing with dusty he had the fucking coolest theme music of this entire era. It was exactly who he is. They hit it out of the park. This is a fun. This is going to be a fun part of the show. There's not going to be any intense angles. And that's the other thing about wrestling during this time. And I think Vince McMahon is very smart for a the way he handled Dusty Rhodes, um, and b I think it this no one really thinks about this when they think about this period of wrestling. But this isn't this isn't NWA wrestling where it's like. At the NWA, the the bad guy always wins, and the bad guy always has the title. The NWA is trying to basically write wrestling like you're trying to write like a show that's like on HBO. You know what I mean? Where it's like, ooh, I have to watch it because of all the subtleties. The WWF is literally trying to write the equivalent of like, oh, well, I guess it's on HBO, but to me it makes sense, of the show Ballers, where it's like, yeah, fucking some shit happened, and then aliens invaded, but then The Rock paid them off, and he did a bunch of pills. It was sick. Like, the, it's it's not, they're trying to write, it's purely escapist television, WWF during this time, where the bad guy literally never wins. And that's why Hulk Hogan won at WrestleMania five, and that's why the way they used Dusty Rhodes was great. Dylan, you and I were talking about this before the episode. The WWF at this time is basically the show Billions, and the NWA wants to be Succession. That's exactly yeah. it. It's just like, oh, this, it's just, sometimes the good guy wins all the time because that's more fun. Sometimes, sometimes you get a guy in polka dots who's dancing with with a nice old lady because that's fun too. And then the old, and then the fat guy dances with the old lady. That's nice. It's just sometimes things. If the W, if WWE was just more fun and loose, like obviously they do shows now way more often, so you can't be fun and loose three hundred days a year on television. They do more televised shows now, I should say. So it's hard to come up with new shit every week. But if it was just more loose and less regimented, people would like it more. And this is time, this is, I don't think people think about this. Like, it's all super regimented, but Vince is smart enough, uh, weirdly, to do stuff like No Holds Barred, where his attention will be diverted enough that people can kind of, even though he is super micromanaging, do their own thing a bit. Anyway, I mean, he's smart enough to try new things, but I mean, like, that's not, it's not like he's doing that. But the effect is he has less of a, like I said, 1989 
is when he starts paying attention to what's happening again, and then you get the super push of the Ultimate Warrior, weirdly leading to like that weird run where they don't have someone after Hogan versus the Mega Powers colliding happened when he was filming No Holds Barred. Although it's alleged, <laughs> this is when Hogan is alleging that they would just stay up all night because they would write the movie. Yeah. The, the subtext of that, by the way, is we did blow for three days and wrote this movie. Yeah. No, you, we're on the same page. The two other things that Hobson uncovered, which I'd like to quickly talk about before we two best him. Uncovered. Oh, yeah, confidential. Uh, in 1989, uh, Linda is rising through the ranks of high society. She becomes a lobbyist this oh, year. Oh. Uh, at the tail end of the year, she admits publicly that wrestling is not real to get the WWF out of a 10% ticket tax. Uh, it's very significant that for the first time, one of the owners of a professional wrestling company is willing to say the unsayable. What I find fascinating about this is we've always been told the history of Vince saying wrestling wasn't fake, that Vince did it. And in classic Vince McMahon fashion, it was his wife who did it. And he's taken credit this whole fucking time. Yeah, baby, because that's what v Linda McMahon does. Linda McMahon does that fucking shit. Linda McMahon essentially is the Joe Pesci to Vince McMahon's um, Robert De Niro in Casino. Vince walks around in his little jacket doing all his little number things, but when it comes to the fucking work, Linda's, Linda goes in with a screwdriver and makes you forget what you're fucking even mad about. I, you know what I mean? I mean, you, that's the best metaphor I've ever heard in my entire life, and I guarantee that they had a similar conversation in the desert when she discovered that he was cheating on her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee that when Owen Hart uh, died or if you've watched Dark Side of the Ring apparently just negligently murdered she bought Martha Hart a cake and then they had a bit of coffee and she's like here's why you're not getting a fucking dime oh yeah I, I guarantee by the way no I hear I'm actually gonna this is what I think happened which was Linda was doing something else and Vince uh, like gave the lawyers marching orders. Then Linda found out about it and was like, "Absolutely not! We're not doing that. We're you're not. We're dropping the lawsuit where you're suing the widow to have a fucking um, change of fucking venue because then you can have non-putative damages. You fucking maniac! Like, do you understand? Any more attentions brought to this fucking trial? We're gonna go to jail for obstruction of justice because we didn't have the we didn't shut down a fucking crime scene. Thank God this happened in Kansas City where the police can be bought for a fucking sandwich, you roided fuck. Go give her eight million dollars and shut your fucking cocksucker, is what she said to him. Yeah, man. Like, I guarantee this is how that marriage works. In public, Vince McMahon is number one. They close the door, she goes, Do you think? You're in fucking charge. You're my little puppet, Vince. Go piss sitting down. I want to watch you piss sitting down. <laughs> and he goes, yes, Linda. And she goes, that's not my fucking name. And he goes, yes, Mrs. McMahon. She goes, Ms. It's Ms. You little bitch. And then she kisses him. She kisses him on the top of the nose. And he and she goes, you better not beat it now. And she says, and she and she spells Ms. M I Z because fucking she loves the Miz. Who doesn't? Uh, the other thing that very much happens at this time, which is directly involved in McMahon, but it will soon. William Dunn, the strength and conditioning coach at the University of Virginia, uh, Virginia. he was one of steroids' uh, our, um, uh, archetypal er archetypal early adopters. Basically, this guy didn't cycle off. So when you do steroids, you're supposed to take a rest so your bones don't turn into dust. 
him and superstar Billy Graham didn't fucking stop, yeah, baby. Not, oh, ow! They look like fucking <laughs> gods, and goddammit, good for them. But no, wild I'm going to look up William Dunn. Wild dogs. Wild dogs, baby. So, but what, where William Dunn is important, he was one of the early adopters of steroids, obviously, but he also produced a tape that imply that implicated Mr. Dr. Zahorian, and Dr. Zahorian on that tape talked about selling steroids to wrestlers. What did he say on the tape? I'm giving you better prices than the wrestlers. That I give to the wrestlers. Ladies and gentlemen, what a beautiful foreshadowing for the next phase. We've exited seamlessly from rock and wrestling into, oh boy, Vince McMahon is making all the gold to Vince McMahon's going to fucking jail, baby! Get Bruce Pritchard on the phone. It's time for him to not like Jerry Jarrett for no reason. Ladies and gentlemen, we're <laughs> entering the phase that I'm very excited for. It is the building box of the steroid trial. Dylan got favorite thing about 1989. Give it to me now. No holds barred. That's also my worst thing about 1989 because I think no holds barred, like I said, Vince does his best work when he's got something fucking else to do and he just fucking gets to be a promoter and No Holds Barred allowed him to do that. The reason why it's the worst the worst thing about 1989 is Vince McMahon just pretty much ruining his own business by being like, and this actor who went crazy can beat up all of our wrestlers. Yeah. Cool. My, uh, my worst thing was going to be the Tony Tiny Lister run where it's just like, I'm going to give $56,000 to this actor not understanding that he definitely worked for way less and who gives a fuck. And the best thing about uh, 1989, no holds barred, silver medal, but you already said that. I'm going to say Mega Powers Exploding because this is, bear in mind, 1988, 1989, they pull off legendary, memorable wrestling moments, something that they're not going to do and when they're said positively. They're not, they haven't done it in the last five years, and they're not going to do for the next... No, that's not fair. WrestleMania 6. Yeah. No, man. This is. They're still full steam ahead till about... Like, dude, 93, the 95-96 area is where it gets shit, but like the Bret Hart title reign was great, and it still had cohesive storylines. There's been no sustained level of bad wrestling like they've had bad wrestling in the last like decade because it's all over the place and it's not cohesive for whatever you want to say about 95 about like not about wrestling during even the low points of the 90s it all at least had somewhat cohesive storytelling we were being insulted like oh that guy's not uh here anymore this guy uh we decided um is not going to be pushed anymore so now he's losing to r-truth oh also r-truth's our main heel now why fuck off who cares he's r-truth's our fucking main guy why did vince mention a lockbox because shut up do you realize how much harder it's going to be to summarize 2011 or not let's go what's a shitty year 2013 how much harder it's going to be to summarize that year than it was to summarize 1989 because it was like three main events you had survivor series SummerSlam, royal rumble and wrestlemania and this is like one of the glory times obviously in professional wrestling but it's going to be so much harder john what did you say your worst thing already yeah, worst thing was Tony Tiny Lister, baby. Best thing was fucking... Tiny Tony Lister, and then when... And fucking, you know what, John? Fuck you. 
here's another thing. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Oh, is that how we're going to end? You just go, oh, yeah. Uh, join us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash wrestler review. We just completed a episode on Bill Dundee, the father of Jamie Dundee, the king of minor crimes. Cool. And we have a special episode coming up on Manny Fernandez in a couple weeks um, because someone fucking gave us money. Holy shit. $20, you can uh, select an episode. We have some people who are giving $20, and they have not supplied us with wrestlers to profile. And if you guys want to, email us. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If you give us 20 bucks a month on Patreon, you can pick a wrestler. 25 bucks, you get to pick four wrestlers. Cool, cool, cool. And then we'll, and then we'll talk about them on Patreon. If you guys don't want to join us on Patreon, kind of fuck you, but also you can join us on Twitter at wrestler review at wrestler review on instagram we'll be doing an instagram live we'll be watching the gorgeous ladies of wrestling pay-per-view baby we're gonna see some fucking flaps in that (laughs) and that's gonna be 3 p.m on monday yeah we're gonna see some flaps and some juggos jugs and flaps oh monday 3 p.m Sorry, usually Tuesday, but Daddy's got to fucking do some home renovation. Monday, 3 p.m., and that'll be Thursday, 3 p.m., Instagram Live. Buy my album. It is available at dylangott.bandcamp.com. That's dylangott.bandcamp.com, or available on my Twitter, at dylangott for the leg. Go buy my album, 10 John Hastings, I Hate About You. Uh, some of you. A lot of you, I think, are listening to it on Apple Music, because I've been getting sweet checks from apple music and spotify by that i mean twenty dollars which is a lot of plays when you consider you get almost a you get about a cent a play (laughs) no i think apple music if you listen to the album all the way through they do pay a bit so you can honestly if you guys just go on apple music me and john have an album called we farted just put it just turn your phone off just put it on low volume and then just put it on repeat so we get money you don't even have to fucking listen to it sick boom we'll be back next week with more on vincent fucking kennedy shit fuck mcmahon cock in my ass semen acts forever